Eternal God, you draw us, you draw near to us in Christ and make yourself our guest. Amid the cares of our lives, make us attentive to your presence, that we may treasure your word above all else, through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. You may be Scripture today, the first lesson is found in the 18th chapter of Genesis, beginning with the first verse. The Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre, as he sat at the entrance of his tent in the heat of the day. He looked up and saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent entrance to meet them and bowed down to the ground. He said, My Lord, if I find favor with you, do not pass by your servant. Let a little water be brought, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. Let me bring a little bread, that you may refresh yourselves, and after that you may pass on, since you have come to your servant. So they said, Do as you have said. And Abraham hastened into the tent to Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly three measures of choice flour, knead it, and make cakes. Abraham ran to the herd, and took a calf, tender and good, and gave it to the servant, who hastened to prepare it. Then he took curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared, and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree while they ate. They said to him, Where is your wife Sarah? And he said, There, in the tent. Then one said, I will surely return to you in due season, and your wife Sarah shall have a son. Word of God, word of life. The second lesson is from 1 Colossians, beginning with the 15th verse. Christ Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For in him all things in heaven and on earth were created, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or powers. All things have been created through him and for him. He himself is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have first place in everything. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on heaven, whether on earth or in heaven by making peace through the blood of his cross. And you who were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his fleshly body through death, so as to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him, provided that you continue securely established and steadfast in the faith, without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. I, Paul, became a servant of this gospel. I am now rejoicing in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am completing what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body, that is, the church. I became its servant according to God's commission that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known the mystery that has been hidden throughout the ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. 
To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is he whom we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we present everyone mature in Christ. Word of God, word of life. Please stand if you're able. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, as Jesus and his disciples went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me then. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, You are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. The gospel reading is one of those passages that can be very difficult. In short, it's short, it has some twists in it. And the one doing the interpretation and proclamation, me, risks offending someone when choosing to identify with either Martha or Mary or Mary or Martha. It can be tricky. But more seriously... This passage needs to be considered in light of the passage we read, some of us together read last week, the Samaritan story, sometimes called the Good Samaritan story. Because you see, if we take Jesus literally in this passage, we run the risk of alienating too many who identify with the way Martha viewed her service to Jesus and others. Martha or Mary? Mary or Martha? Too often we're trying to interpret this passage. Preachers and teachers have a tendency to say that Jesus was criticizing Martha for the style of her service. And praising Mary for the careful way it looks like she was just sitting and listening to Jesus' every word. Seemingly, at least to Martha, she wasn't really doing anything. Instead, taken all together, this group of stories in Luke speak of Jesus teaching us to serve one another through questioning, preparation, listening, and selfless service. Selfless service to our fellow human beings. Remembering, of course, to do so in correct proportion and according to our personal needs as we travel along our journey of faith. Preacher and teacher Tom Long explains it this way. Now, if we're going to understand what this story is saying to us today, we have to grapple with this troublesome response by Jesus. 
Why does Jesus praise Mary over against hardworking, worn-out Martha? Why does Jesus say that Mary, who simply sits and listens, has chosen a better part than Martha, who is sweating away, preparing a meal, and trying to provide some hospitality? Reverend Long continues and tells us that some who read this passage wonder if the writer of Luke perhaps has a hidden and not-so-healthy agenda in the tone of the story. You know, the way Jesus tells the story. Tom Long goes even further so far as to point to the idea, some interpreters say, that Luke's real agenda is to say that Jesus was bothered by women trying to exercise too much leadership in the early Christian church. These women, Martha and Mary, were overstepping their role. Mary or Martha, or Mary, or Martha or Mary. But listen carefully to to, to Reverend Long again. Throughout Luke, women are not passive and silent. They are prominent, powerful, worthy, articulate, and celebrated. It is Luke, after all, who tells us Jesus' parable about a poor widow who was so vigorous and aggressive in her demands for justice that she caused a powerful and haughty male judge to cave in. No, this is not a story about resisting women's leadership. In fact, Mary, who sits at Jesus' feet is this in this story, is actually pictured in the posture of a disciple, an important role normally reserved in that day only for men. So what Reverend Long is doing is putting forth a fresh interpretation of this passage. The interpretation of this passage often becomes Jesus praises Mary and even defends her against Martha. To some that seems to indicate that all Martha is doing is busy work. And if Martha thinks that that is what Jesus is calling her to do, but to those watching her so-called trivial things like cooking and providing hospitality... Believe that she misses, that, that, that we miss, and that she misses a much deeper spiritual point. We all know someone like that in the life of the church. You know, all about doing and making things and going to meetings and collecting food and clothing. Busy, busy, busy. Martha or Mary or Mary or Martha. Sometimes, in our zeal and passion for what we as individuals are engaged, we tend to overlook that there may be other ways or paths to serve our Lord and Savior. Sometimes others are in a different place than we are too and need to just stop and listen, devoting all energy to listening and contemplating in the way that Mary in our gospel story is doing, sitting at Jesus' feet, digesting the word as he proclaims it. Sometimes the whole church needs to stop and take account of all that we are trying to do to be sure we are doing it for the furtherance of the kingdom. We're just doing it because we always have. Martha or Mary, or Mary or Martha. At other times, we may be more like strong Martha. All wrapped up in doing, showing hospitality to the stranger, defying convention, and supporting the faith through the contribution of our time and our resources. You see, Martha was all of those things. Most biblical scholars now believe that Martha was the older sister of Mary. Also, she was the head of household, perhaps a widow, 
She is unique in the society of Jesus' day in the radical way she defies the conventions and norms of that society by hosting a group of 12 men. 12 men that she doesn't know. 12 men who were traveling through the village and needed a place to stay. You see, women just didn't do that. Hospitality would include washing their feet when they arrived, providing them with meals, and making sure they had a place to sleep. It seems, too, that Martha was a financial supporter of the work of Jesus and his disciples as they traveled around the region. One of, the group, one of a group of women who provided the funds to allow the church in its earliest days to function. Well, where does this leave us? I believe the message for today is that we need to be sure to take time in the midst of our service to Jesus Christ and to others to be sure that we are spiritually capable and able to continue to serve the Lord in ways that glorify God. But sometimes we get so involved in the details of the service and, or serving that we might lose sight of the mission. Martha or Mary... Or Mary or Martha. Sometimes the vision of why we are serving becomes dim. And we need to take time, as Mary did, to sit at Jesus' feet and listen and contemplate and pray and learn and recharge and rest. All so that we can continue to discern God's will for each of us. So I have to be honest, as I was preparing this sermon, I got to this point and was still having trouble coming up with a conclusion. It happens sometimes. A conclusion that made sense. I was searching the commentaries for deeper insight, looking for deeper insight into Martha or Mary or Mary or Martha. I reread the scripture passage in a number of different translations, seeking deeper insight and a way to clearly outline this both-and nature of this passage. And as is often the case, I came across a story. A story told by Bishop Frank Griswold, the former bishop of the entire Episcopal Church here in the United States. Listen to Frank's story. It seems that while he was serving as Bishop of Chicago before he became Bishop of All, he went on a spiritual retreat to a monastery in Omaha, Nebraska. He was to work with a priest who was going to assist him in prayer and meditation, a time to recharge himself physically and spiritually. The bishop says, I went armed with all sorts of spiritual classics and Bible commentaries, lest I feel I was wasting my time or failed to achieve spiritual insights. I felt that if God was slow in producing illumination, I was ready to take over and do it by myself. After all, he was a bishop, right? He needed to be in charge here, too. Bishop Frank continues, he says, Most of the week, not much happened. No insights came forth. I fretted and fussed, at times blaming God and at times blaming myself. Blaming myself for not being more adept and clever. Then one day I went out walking. I passed a soup kitchen. I mentioned the soup kitchen to the priest who was spiritually guiding me. And he suggested the next day I might want to go and volunteer. I thought that was an excellent idea. 
since nothing seemed to be happening to me spiritually. I could at least feel useful and do some good for others. So Bishop Griswold says, the next morning I went to the soup kitchen and approached one of the volunteers and I said I was there to help. He smiled at me and said, you can't really volunteer unless you've been given the okay by Sister Pat. Sister Pat runs the soup kitchen and she's not here today. Then he looked at me and he said, but you can help. You can sit right down with the other guests and have a plate of pancakes. Then the bishop says, and suddenly I realized that in his mind, I was one of the guests. Then Frank says, so I decided to try to play the part. And I ate my pancakes and then went into a sitting area where a number of people were reading magazines. And I just sat there and contemplated the other guests until one of them shouted out, pointing at me, Why are you staring at us that way? And suddenly I realized that even the guests sensed me as somewhat alien. So I fled, more desolate than ever. I then went back to the priest and told him what happened. And he said, I want you to go back again tomorrow. And he said, I want them to, I want you to tell them who you are. So in obedience, I went back the next day. And this time, another volunteer coordinator met me. And when I asked to help, he said, certainly, you can wash dishes. And so I went to the sink, happy that I had been given something to do. A few minutes later, a formidable woman with an empty pot that had contained spaghetti sauce came to me, shoved the pot into my stomach, and said, Who are you? And I thought this was the perfect moment. And I said to her, I'm the Bishop of Chicago. She, of course, turned out to be Sister Pat. (laughs) And without blinking an eye, she handed me the pot and said, We'll talk later and have a cup of coffee. So about a half an hour later, once I had cleaned the spaghetti pot, she came back and said, let's go out in the yard and talk. When we got out in the yard and began speaking to one another, I became aware of one of the guests who was circling around us, obviously trying in some way to break into our conversation. Finally, he asked the question, are you a Michelob man? He said, and I said, no, I prefer white wine. But that didn't stop him for a moment. He continued on and he said, you're the man from Chicago with the gift of words. And I thought, how does this, how does he even know anything about me? How does he know I'm from Chicago? So I was stopped dead in my tracks. Sister Sister Pat spoke to him and he turned out to be a man named Patrick. We finished our conversation, I went back to my room, and early the next morning, I awoke and in my mind's eye, I saw the the same Patrick. And recognizing the fact that I'd be leaving that afternoon to go back to Chicago, I felt it was very important for me to see Patrick once again. Though I really didn't know why. So I got up and headed back to the soup kitchen in time for the breakfast routine hoping that I would see Patrick. And sure enough, 
As I was washing breakfast dishes and looking out the window, I saw Patrick approach. He came in, he saw me, and he shouted, Frank, good morning! How are you? And my heart leapt with joy. Someone knew who I was. Someone seemed to care. Patrick ate his breakfast, and as he prepared to leave, I followed him out to the yard. Because I had to speak to him. And I went up to him and I said, Patrick, I just have to tell you how important it has been for me to meet you. And he turned with this broad smile on his face and he said, Frank, I want to thank you for all that you've done. I turned away and burst into tears. I thought, what on earth is going on? Now get this part. And I suddenly realized that the Jesus whom I'd been so desperately seeking in my frantic efforts to make something happen in the formal times of prayer had in fact shown up and met me in the person of Patrick. And instead of being judgmental, this Jesus was filled with gratitude and loving acceptance. Frank, thank you for all you did. I felt it was a confirmation, not just of my being at the soup kitchen, but a confirmation of my whole ministry as the Bishop of Chicago. And that really was a moment of incredible joy and consolation. Martha or Mary, or Mary or Martha. So where are you this morning? Do you identify with Mary or Martha? Are your actions more often like Martha, but you wish you could just sit there and listen the way Mary is able to do and not feel guilty that you're not doing something? Or do you understand the necessity of Mary's complete devotion, but feel guilty sometimes when you do not pitch in and get your hands dirty? The joy is that when we are called to discern and at times we will be as efficient and effective as Martha, while at other times we need to become extravagantly contemplative so that our faith continues to grow and our spirit is filled up, recharged and restored like Mary. And other times we will be in that both-and place. Contemplation that builds and strengthens our service to a risen and redeeming Lord, attempting to live a life that glorifies God in always changing ways, faith that is understood in new ways that gives us the spiritual knowledge to speak truth to power, a deeper understanding of the sacrifice our Lord and Savior made for you and for me. Oh, oh, now I think I understand better. Something we all, sometimes we are all Marthas, and sometimes we are all Marys, but all the time, but all the time, I said all the time, we serve a risen, redeeming, and eternal life-giving Savior. And guess what? He loves each of us, each one of us, just as we are. Amen?
voices together in the prayer that our Savior himself taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is now. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And now as you go forth from this place, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace. Now and always and unto ages of ages. Amen.